Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. And welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show with me, Adam Bayfield. And alongside me, you'll never guess who it is. It's only Tony Kerr. Good evening. How's it going this week, Tony? Yeah, well, we've all got we've got new tech in, haven't we, today? New tech in the studio. You've got the iPad. And you've got a computer from the new decade, not, not <laughs> from like six years ago, as you've been rocking for quite a while. Yeah, this week I've, I've gotten myself a new computer uh, and a new phone as well a macbook and an iphone which is an enormous upgrade for me because up until now i have uh, i have been using a, a 3310 and a typewriter <laughs> it's, it's about the technology that i had editing a podcast on a typewriter is a nightmare i'll tell you that it's, much yeah you wouldn't think it would be possible even i well, make you've it, made work. it work quite impressively actually yeah <laughs> on that, from that perspective. i mean you really haven't you haven't even had a color screen on your phone have you before no Mate. So that's that's. I mean, that even that must be staggering. For well, you. no, I, I mean that's a slight exaggeration because I I have had an iPhone in the last couple of months, which is just one that uh, a friend of mine gave me a, a really old iPhone that he had. It's actually an original iPhone, the first iPhone with the the screen broken and no connectivity. I don't think no, it didn't, didn't connect to the internet, yeah. so it wasn't <laughs> enormously useful. <laughs> but like when I was in London the other week, I was at a London correspondent Gordon McRae's house. I got my phone out to send a text message and he looked at it and was just this expression of bewilderment went across his face and he was just like, is that an original iPhone? And just looking at it like it's some kind of artefact, like it's a relic from some ancient civilization. It's 2007, it's not that long ago. Yeah. But yeah, I've moved on this week, new, new computer and new phone for a new man. New you. Yeah, I've not had a great day today, though. <laughs> I, uh, fell over. It was hilarious. I? We, uh, me and Tony, went for a swim this afternoon uh, in the sea, uh, and on the walk down, uh, it's like down a quite a long, well, steep, sort of mossy, path. mossy path, and it's been absolutely pouring with rain the last few days, and it was very wet, and uh, and I, yeah, I slipped and fell over. It was like it was a it was a cartoon fool because I didn't I didn't have time to you know you know like when you slip you normally sort of there's a, a split second where you realise you've slipped and you've got to fight, fitting, to, fight to control yeah. to get your balance back uh, but I didn't have that I was just one moment I was upright the next moment I was just on my back on the floor like just fully out, like outstretched it was hilarious it's like I'd slipped on a banana skin <laughs> I mean that was your foot I mean you've improved your phone you've improved your laptop but you're still wearing Crocs uh, so. <laughs> It was my birthday yesterday, Tane. I don't know if uh, I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if I mentioned that at any point. Uh, yeah, you kind of made uh, made quite a big thing of it, didn't you? Extended the celebrations out over at least a week, it's, maybe more. It's the Bayfield birthday week. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's very much now in danger of overshadowing the Olympics. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like the main uh, the main thing of the summer. Although to be fair, because the weather's been so bad. 
you know, it was a bit of light relief, <laughs> quite <laughs> frankly. <laughs> well, I like the idea that as you get older, you make your birthday more and more of a thing. You know, it's my special day. I've been saying that all week. <laughs> but it's my special day, trying to get people to, <laughs> to do stuff. We did, we did stuff on like every day for about five days. And actually, you were blessed with a bit of sunshine on Saturday, which we made the most of with uh, visiting the beach and playing with ten different different shaped balls of like rugby, tennis, and cruddy. So many ball games. Boba. So many ball games going on on the beach. Well, we missed, uh, I missed Saturday. the nerf, to be honest. That was. You came to the beach. You showed up an hour late, uh, wearing your new pair of silly little sunglasses, looking like you're on your way to watch a 3D movie. <laughs> I wasn't, of course I was on the way to the beach, not, <laughs> yeah. not the theatre. They're, they're, I'll post a picture on the Facebook page, they are. They're quite amusing. Because you've gone from never wearing sunglasses <laughs> ever to wearing these, this slightly ridiculous pair. But yeah, another birthday, another year older, another milestone ticked off on the, the long march towards the grave. <laughs> it was a cheerful day. It was, yeah, it was very, there was a, a real air of kind of celebration, I thought, and positivity, which isn't usual for your you know, kind of events you've organised. I kind of usually kind of miserable ambiance. So. Oh, well, thanks. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's good to hear that <laughs> for when I'm planning my next event. Yeah. Just what in God's name is coming up on the show today is the question that I'm asking, Tane. Uh, well, we'll be getting right in amongst England's one-day series with Australia, of course, uh, and we'll be casting our eyes around the world as well to Florida, of all places, uh, where the West Indies have been playing New Zealand. Uh, and there'll be some side notes this week too. Uh, I've got a couple of corkers lined up for you, Tone, uh, so we can all look forward to that. I was driving in my car the other day, and uh, and I saw a car coming the other way that I thought might be your car. You you drive a smart car. I, so I saw a smart car coming the other way, and I thought, I wonder if that's Tony's car. And then as I got a little bit closer, I realised that it was definitely your car. <laughs> and I knew this for two reasons. One, because I could see your silly little pair of sunglasses from about 200 yards away. And two, because you were absolutely bombing it along the road. And you went past me. It was like a Formula One noise going, going past. A regular Nigel Mansell. You do drive fast, don't you? You're not afraid to, to push the well, limits no, no, of, don't get me of your car. You know, those limits aren't exactly stratospheric. Well, in Guernsey, no. The, the well, speed I mean, limit. Thirty-five mile an hour. Yeah, you know, and I'm not going to say categorically on here that you go beyond that, but you're certainly you're pushing the envelope. I would say you're pushing thirty-five mile an hour to its limit. Yeah, broadly speaking, I like to get up to thirty-five as quickly as possible. (laughs) (laughs) But it's kind of it's all to do with the fact that I leave for things at the time that they're at the appointed time, not before. (laughs) So I'm always trying to make up time. Yeah, I'm just constantly late as well. But always late, so I'm always (laughs) rushing. It's really annoying. You've got a lot of confidence in your driving though haven't you when, <laughs> when we left the uh, the podcast last time we recorded you gave me a lift home we were careering along like a, a dark very narrow lane a car came around the corner coming the other way and i just immediately saw that there was no way we were going to be able to pass it comfortably because the, the road was much too narrow and i went tone and you went yeah we got problems here <laughs> didn't slow down didn't no, slow down didn't. i got you through as a passenger that's not exactly what you want to hear i don't think you also do this thing that I've, I've picked you up on for on a number of occasions where you'll be driving with just one hand on the wheel, the other hand kind of resting on your knee or something. If you need to scratch your face, you'll take the hand that's on the wheel off the wheel to scratch your face and leave the other hand just doing nothing. So you've got no hands on the wheel. Car goes in a straight line then, isn't it, When you, <laughs> unless you turn the wheel, so... I'm not, it's not like I'm putting makeup on or something. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm just scratching my face. So. Changing CDs. Yeah. 
England. On this part of the show, we talk about England. Now, England are currently locking horns with Australia on the cricket field. Well, in the ashes, I hear you ask. Well, you might think that, but you'd be wrong. It's actually in a one-day international series. Three games have been completed, uh, the most recent of which was rained off uh, on Wednesday, which is actually when we're recording this. So only two results, uh, and England won both games relatively comfortably. The first match uh, was played at Lords, and England, having been put into bat, uh, made 272 for five. Uh, they were struggling a little bit at one stage, um, made a bit of a slow start, but a blistering 89 not out from just 63 balls from Owen Morgan uh, got them up to a very competitive total. Uh, and Australia fell 15 runs short in pursuit, 257 for nine, uh, with the wickets shared around between Anderson, Finn, Breslin and Broad. So a good win that for England, and uh, they were even more impressive in the second game at the Oval. This time Australia batted first, and they found it a little bit difficult against the English bowlers. They made 251 for seven, with half centuries from Shane Watson, uh, and a somewhat torturous one from George Bailey. Uh, Again, the wickets spread around for England, and they made light work of their run chase. Um, 82 from Ravi Bopara, and 75 from Ian Bell, getting them to the target with six wickets, and 4.2 overs to spare. So England 2-0 up with two to play. What have you made of the series so far, Tone? How do you assess each of the teams at this point? England very impressive. Australia maybe not so much. Can you see them turning it around? questions that just goes on and on. (laughs) Well, I mean, the series was written off, wasn't it, before it happened as being utterly pointless. Uh, But it's been enjoyable and England have have played very comfortably. Strangely, uh, on the betting, on the exchanges... Uh, by that I mean Betfair <laughs> which you you do little besides at the moment yeah I've, yeah I've kind of got yeah people think I'm kind of a Rabsy Nesbitt kind of just betting and drinking it's not quite <laughs> that driving bad. fast yeah. driving recklessly I did a nice little bet on the uh, the Asian under 22 championships at the moment in football for Tajikistan and others <laughs> playing in that so plenty of value in there if you want, if you want my tips <laughs> follow me at Tony Kerr with a B very strange life you lead uh, uh, really but is. actually England have got all three of these one day as well obviously the the third was a, a washout, but all three uh, Australia have gone in as favourites on on Betfair, which is odd because you'd think, well, particularly after the first uh, first match in which England, yeah, pretty comfortably won, you'd think they would have, you know, think they'd have come in and uh, and been favourites for the second, but again not, and again for the third, which is odd. So I don't know why if people are just expecting this Australian team to come good essentially, or they just think, no, oh, it's Australia, they're going to do well. Prior to the series, people were building up Australia, weren't they? And- and saying, you know, this is the real test for England. Australia are the number one ODI side in the world. Shane Warne predicted an Australian series win. I think a lot of the English media and maybe quite a lot of English fans were slightly fearful about what might happen in this series. So far, at least, it's not panned out that way at all. Do you think Australia were built up too much ahead of the series or or are they being written off too quickly now? Or are we judging them, is judging them on the basis of just two games um, unfair? Once the games have been, the results have been fairly comfortable and fairly, uh, fairly one-sided towards England. There haven't been complete batterings in Australia. You know, if a few things have gone differently, obviously such as life. A few things, a few things have gone differently. They may well have picked up a win in one of those two. They've definitely got match winners and they've got, a, you know, a good-looking, fairly balanced team. But still, you know, when England have got Ravi Bapara in the kind of form he's in. <laughs> Uh, you know, you can't expect too much. Well, more on Ravi Bapara in a moment. But as for Australia, I think uh, one of the big problems that they've had um, is that they've got no Michael Hussey in this series and he has been very much the the linchpin of their middle order um, for years now. 
Um, and without him, I do think that their batting is a little bit lightweight, um, especially um, in the face of this English attack. George Bailey and Peter Forrest are sort of there in the middle order, uh, and they're very new to the international stage. They've got quite a long tail as well. So without Hussey, it's a it's a much weaker batting lineup. But that has to be a concern for them because Hussey isn't getting any younger and he's not going to be around forever. It's probably unlikely that he's going to make the 2015 World Cup. So they really should be planning for the long term without him. <coughs> we said maybe two years ago, 18 months ago, a year ago, Australia could do with unearthing some bowling talent and they've pretty much done that. Yeah, it's looking a lot stronger from there. But it's, yeah, it's getting towards the point where they need a couple of decent batsmen to come along now. Speaking of their bowlers, they, they've been probably more impressive than their batsmen, but they haven't been able to dominate England um, in the way that maybe some expected them to. I've been quite impressed with Clint Mackay, and Brett Lee continues to defy Father Time uh, by bowling incredibly quickly still. Uh, but Xavier Doherty has just been picked off by the English batsman, hasn't he? And, and Mitchell Johnson was once again hopeless. <laughs> what are they doing bringing him back? Mitchell Johnson's just a recurring theme in Australian cricket, isn't it? It's like a negative, negative presence every time he comes along. I mean, what does he go for? Six and over, no wickets. I mean, saying Six that, us. he actually does have reasonably good stats in ODI cricket over the last couple of years. He was very impressive in Sri Lanka last year, but particularly against England. But, you know, in, in the real important games, I'm, I'm just not sure that, that Johnson is your man. Uh, and they've got so many talented young bowlers. Um, James Patterson hasn't played yet in this series. They've got to be better prospects I would have thought but I guess the big problem for Australia in these two games has just been that England have been very good and in these conditions England are an extremely powerful cricket team whatever the format uh, their batting lineup I think does still have a slightly vulnerable air about it but so far it has held strong against the West Indies it was the top three that were all important but in these games it's been numbers four and five Ravi Bapara and Owen Morgan who have made the decisive contributions Bapara with 82 as I mentioned at the Oval. We got a tweet from Diana who said, uh, come on now, say something nice about Bapara's 82. Regular listeners will know that I'm not exactly what you might call a fan of Ravi Bapara's batting, but I can't deny <laughs> that he scored runs there. He scored 82. Yeah, 82. You're trying to deny that? I'm not going to try and deny it. I mean, I, I did say a few weeks ago that, you know, if he comes in and scores runs, then obviously I'll get behind him. But I'm not annoyed that Bapara made those runs. You've got to give him some credit for that. It was a match-winning innings. But the thing is, that is exactly the type of innings that he hasn't ever played before. If he can start doing that on a more consistent basis, then fantastic. Then, you know, he'll cement himself in the team and I'll be as big a fan as anybody. It's just, it's taken him 100-odd games to play even one innings like that. So he's got to back that up. But yeah, I mean, a good knock from him, definitely. Good for the lad. And yeah, Owen Morgan was the, the match winner in the opening game. He, of course, enjoyed a very tough winter uh, where he lost his place in the test side, barely scored a run in any format, horrible limited over series in the UAE. And his technique was just falling to pieces, wasn't it? It was, it was doing that crouch thing and his head was all over the place. So how significant, therefore, was this innings? Back to form, back to being the you know the main man for England. Yeah, very. But I mean, people forget very quickly. We'd almost forgotten. Well, I hadn't. You you'd, probably had. Well, you'd you'd started to forget. I think I could see it in your eyes. No, no, no. I I go home every night and just uh, <laughs> get out my uh, VHS tapes of uh, of Owen Morgan scoring runs against South Africa. Eighty nine, very good score and in just tremendous style. So great to have him back and playing well. Particularly good timing given Peterson's absence. Someone now has to step up and be that big player in the middle order absolutely and I think Morgan is England's most important one day player because he is almost unique in that team as being the the one who can dictate an innings like that uh, and play at that kind of tempo and when England had Peterson before 
um, there were two guys who could do that, and now there's just one, and there's a big burden on Morgan, I think. So it was really important that he reminded everyone uh, of what he could do and uh, you know, announced that he can be that player. I mean, I, I always did feel that he was just out of form in the winter. I don't think some people were saying, oh, he's been found out, or you know, he's, he's not the player we thought he was, or... You know, even beginning to rewrite history and saying, well, has he ever done anything for him? <laughs> I think he, he just had a bad few months. He, he was out of form. I didn't think it was an incurable problem. Um, and yeah, I think he he's, he did silence one or two doubters at Lords and, and followed up with another good innings at the Oval where he got, what, 40-odd? Although that innings was embroiled in a little bit of controversy. I don't know if you, you saw this incident where uh, very early on in his innings in, in the first over that he faced from Michael Clark who had just dismissed Ian Bell there was a big shout for LBW which was given on the field uh, Morgan reviewed it straight away and it was overturned there was a, a tiny mark on hotspot uh, which the third umpire decided was enough evidence that uh, Morgan had nicked it before it hit his pad. The Australians weren't happy. It did spark a lot of um, discussion in the commentary box because it was far from conclusive, um, that evidence. There were other very similar little white marks on the bat and elsewhere in the picture that obviously weren't caused by the ball. And it, it was very hard to say definitively that it was the ball that had left that mark. Where did you sit on this one? It does. It has kind of reopened the DRS debate, but um, what, what, yeah, what did you make of that decision particularly? Didn't really need reopening, did it? Well, I mean, if, obviously, if there's got major failings, then yeah, reopen it for the debate. <laughs> but for the purposes of my argument, uh, I'm going to say it doesn't have major failings. Although, of the of the tools at the third umpire's disposal, hotspot is possibly the more the well, it's probably the most flimsy, isn't it? When it's so marginal, it's uh, yeah, it's very difficult to say that you could be you could have 100% faith in that particular piece of technology. It's interesting that you, you mentioned 100% because uh, this is something that on the Twitter sphere and also in the commentary box as well, people were saying, oh, you know, it, it's not 100% accurate. It's not 100% accurate. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, this is something that we've talked about endlessly, but obviously we're not getting through to everybody. Uh, so it, it <laughs> so might not... be worth talking about again. But yeah, when people say, you know, it's not 100% accurate, as though somehow it's got to be 100% accurate, otherwise we should get rid of it. To me, that makes no sense whatsoever because it might not be 100% accurate, but it's still more accurate than human umpires who are substantially less accurate than 100%. Do people somehow think that things were fine before DRS? There does seem to be a, this weird revisionist view of cricketing <laughs> history developing that DRS has come along and there were never any dodgy decisions before. Why did people think this system was developed in the first place? And it's because yeah, there, I can't, there I, were so many howlers all the time. I mean, you, I can't remember the last major howler. Uh, and I can't remember the last time a player, a batsman, kind of stomped off the pitch angry. The last probably the last one I can remember was me. <laughs> there was no DRS at that point. Well, no, it does happen, I mean, doesn't it? Because it, it's, it happens occasionally that there is a decision like this Morgan one that is debatable or, or sometimes people say, oh, the technology's failed there. And there's occasionally a controversial moment with the DRS. But it is only occasionally. Whereas... You think back to a test match from the 90s or the early noughties, it was little else besides shocking umpiring decisions. Yeah. I think DRS has firstly made umpires better because, you know, they, they, they've started to see more when they're right and when they're not, and that improves them, I think, as, as umpires. But also it's, it's just massively reduced the amount of controversy in cricket. And incidents like the Morgan one are notable because they are comparatively so rare if you went back now to pre-drs i think people would be horrified to an extent it almost doesn't matter whether the technology is accurate or not i mean that that's that sounds ridiculous but i think 
the main thing that matters is just that there's consistency for both teams. Like the thing with Hawkeye is, as a viewer, you don't know whether that Hawkeye projection is right or not, do you? You know, if it says it's just clipping leg, yeah, it's... how would you know? But the point is that it's consistent, that for both teams, it's the same technology and it's the same way. The same the same... It's exactly the same with tennis. If if you look at Wimbledon, you don't really know whether when there's a challenge, if the ball is shown to be, you know, out by a tiny fraction, you don't actually know whether that's right or not. But the technology is the same. It's consistent for both players. And that's the only thing that matters. Yeah, if if you make the challenge and the the system comes back and, yeah, returns an out call yeah you've just got to, you've got to accept that and it's and it's it's fine because uh, you know the tennis ball is a furry object there's no distinct line so there is a very fine margin at kind of zero millimeters out where uh, you know it would take a the Hubble telescope to really to tell whether it's uh, whether it's in or out and with, uh, yeah cricket ball slightly less so because it's a, it's got a smooth edge um, but you're but talking still, about hypotheticals aren't yeah, exactly, you when, when Hawkeye for LBW decisions comes into play yeah it's going to be it's the same it's exactly the same computer that's I mean unless they're using different computer for each team different algorithms they're uh, doing it on a typewriter uh, yeah, them, which, yeah. is, uh, exactly. which is unusual the problem with the morgan decision and the problem with essentially all the controversial moments in drs is that it's a problem of interpretation the, the problem doesn't lie with the technology it's with the third umpire deciding whether or not the evidence that the technology is um providing is you know substantial enough to overturn a decision so that's what needs to be focused on is is just you know working with the umpires to decide what evidence constitutes enough evidence and with a, a tiny tiny mark like that on hotspot is it enough and, and that's what needs to be um concentrated on so yeah with the washout at edge baston uh, england can no longer win 5-0 uh, so they can no longer go to number one in the world rankings which would have happened with the whitewash so, so basically the only bit of uh, significance that was resting on the series has been decimated <laughs> Uh, we're now left with two dead rubbers, effectively. Well, not quite, because if Australia win the fourth game, then you know they've got a chance to yeah. to tie the series in the fifth. There is some interest there. Yeah, I'm being facetious. Yeah, that is your way, though, isn't it? <laughs> um, but but yeah, the the bloody weather um, has ruined England's England's chances of going number one. Summer tone, yeah, right. Yeah, um, we've had a kind of to do for many years about the weather. You're <laughs> we've had many an argument about. Strangely, it. for someone who's kind of a realist and you know, occasionally strays into the pessimism territory yeah you're remarkably optimistic about the weather all the time yeah it's funny though because you're irritatingly optimistic about most things but about the weather you're just incredibly dour all the time <laughs> so like, oh, this is rubbish like when it's 18 degrees and a little bit standards. breezy very high standards yeah, you don't you're, have high standards willing... with anything else in life but with the weather you're willing to accept you're willing to kind of smile and say oh it's a nice day when it's like blowing a gale and it's Partly cloudy. But, I mean, we can agree, I think, now that it is the worst summer of all time. Well, yeah, because we've had arguments in the past. Was last summer a good summer or a bad summer? I think it was a decent summer. You thought it was awful. But this <laughs> summer, I think we've reached a consensus that this weather has just been atrocious. There's yeah. still time for it to turn around. Not so, much. If we had to just me being optimistic again. <laughs> yeah. If from next week to the end of September there's a heat wave, people will forget all this, won't they? But Yeah, give me eight weeks of eight weeks of unbroken sunshine and I'll be happy. I think the point is that that is quite unlikely to happen, yeah. judging by the, the forecast long range of July forecast. Is miserable. But yes, so the, the Don't expect much from the South Africa series. I don't know. We probably won't even bother previewing it because <laughs> half of it won't take place. But yeah, so uh, Edgebaston was washed out. The the forecast is dreadful for Chesterler Street, shockingly. Yeah. Uh, for the fourth game. So it's it's quite possible that there might only be one or maybe even no more uh, games mm. in this series. Poor old Edgebaston. 
interesting. Doesn't it? I had a good go at this this summer. No, their test match was was ruined by the weather as well. Um, so yeah, so England can no longer win five 0 They can't go to number one in the world. If they had gone to number one in the world, would that have been an accurate? reflection of the of the state of england's team uh would it have been premature if they'd got there could it have even been a bad thing for england that they might have got carried away with being number one One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One, uh, with being number one in the rankings when perhaps they're not actually the best team um, is it a good thing that they can no longer do that <laughs> there's all the answers there yeah. for me just multiple choice <laughs> <laughs> tick which box <laughs> uh, I don't know in ODI cricket the rankings aren't nearly as important or as useful or as pointful uh, as in test cricket. Pointful really, isn't a word. I don't really, well, deal with it. I'm going to use it. Pointful. As pointful. So in the World Cup is the is the all and end all. It doesn't really matter where you are, I think, in the world. Uh, whereas obviously test cricket, there's the Ashes and then there's the number one ranking. Uh, England, of course, hold both. Yes, well, the Ashes is only open to two teams, <laughs> isn't it? It's like, yes, it's pa- Pakistan have never won the Ashes. Oh, so, yeah, I don't know if they can uh, But yeah, you know, 50-over cricket, it doesn't really matter because there's, you know, there's a Champions Trophy around the corner. There's a World Cup around the corner. That's what you're building to. Uh, so it's a useful barometer, I guess, uh, or uh, other instrument of measurement uh, of you know of how teams are getting on and where they are placed going into a World Cup. But other than that, not really interested. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think if England are number one in the world, nobody cares because they haven't won the World Cup. So if they had gone to number one, they wouldn't have gotten carried away because it's all about building to 2015, isn't it? But, but they seem to be building quite encouragingly at the moment. Around the world now, on this part of the show, we talk about things that have been happening around the world. Tony's just fiddling about on his iPad there. It's bringing up another tab. See, I, I do. I never know whether you're, you know, looking for scorecards for things we might be about to talk about, or just betting is probably most likely. <laughs> or you might be, you know, just on Facebook or just playing Farmville. Maybe <laughs> who knows? I've never played Farmville. You played a lot of Harvest Moon when you were a kid. Back in the day, yeah. There is essentially no difference between them, but Harvest Moon was a classic. It is a classic, <laughs> and Farmville unfortunately isn't. Because, because, because one happened when you were a younger. kid. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, perhaps we could cross over to Florida. I wish. Oh, me too, mate. We could uh, we could go and do some roller coasters. <laughs> but yeah, let's cross to Lauder Hill, Florida, uh, where New Zealand and the West Indies have contested a two-match 2020 series. Many of you will be wondering why on earth it was played in Florida. Uh, it's part of uh, uh, the New Zealand Cricket Board's commitment to uh, try and spread cricket to the United States. Um, so they're about to embark on a, a full tour of the West Indies, but they're playing the 2020 games in Florida. What does it mean when it says played at Central Broward Regional Park Stadium Turf Ground? That's presumably not the full name. That's the name of the stadium, yeah. The Central Broward Regional Park Stadium Turf Ground. Catchy. Uh, 
No, yeah. It's not quite Lords, is it? Maybe Lords. The words central, regional, stadium, turf and ground. I'd just call it Bird Park, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> or just, you don't need stadium, ground and park. Yeah. Just one of the three. It's like they couldn't decide. <laughs> yeah. I think that about um, Stuart Broad's autobiography. Uh, <laughs> I think about this often. Yeah. I think it's called something like, Stuart Broad bowled over my side of the story in Ashes Celebration. <laughs> where I like to think that they, they came to Stuart Broad with like three different titles and asked him to pick one and he went, they're all good. I like them all. Why not? Let's just go with them all. It's like the cover of the book is just writing. It just, <laughs> just goes on. Yeah, so at the Central Broad Regional Park Stadium Turf Ground in Lauder Hill, Florida, West Indies uh, batted first in the opening game uh, and made 209 for two with a blistering Chris Gale-esque 85 from 52 balls from Chris Gale and 63 from 29 balls from Kyron Pollard uh, propelled them to 209 for two uh, and New Zealand were never in the hunt. Ended up 153 all out with Sunil Narine taking three for 34. Uh, the second game followed a very similar pattern. Uh, West Indies again back first, didn't make quite as many. This time 177 for five, another 50 for Gale and a quick fire 35 not out from just 11 balls from Dwayne Bravo at the end with four sixes. Got them to a score that again proved way too many for New Zealand they ended up 116 all out Narine in the wickets once again 4 for 12 from his 4 overs so a comfortable 2-0 win for the West Indies uh, but in very unusual surroundings cricket in Florida tone who'd have believed it whatever next we'll probably see Gators stop play eh? forget rain stop play I to go with that 3 or 4 hours just <laughs> workshopping that I'd I, you know, I, I worked it through with uh, with my family, just sat down. Did a few minutes of, of your routine to them. Yeah, because I wasn't sure. Cause I, I, originally I had alligators stop play, but someone said, no, just say gators. You know, that's that's what people would call them. Yeah, I mean, what's Blower's going to talk about? That? He's not going to talk about pigeons. He's put pelicans, probably. Yeah. There's another gag for you. Yeah, another good one. Uh, Very popular podcast, this. <laughs> No, Can- I mean, if you just said that the Westernies and uh, New Zealand would be competing in a 20-over side match in Florida to, like, the 10-year-old me, I'd have just probably run away. I thought <laughs> you were, like, a weird man. Can this be unrelated to my sticking a few World Cricket Show stickers um, up in Walt Disney World when I was there a couple of months ago? Is it not just too big of a coincidence that a couple of months later international cricket is being played there starting to think so starting to think so you think you know where else where next where else are they being stuck Great Wall of China cricket on the Great Wall keep, keep an eye on that by September probably <laughs> international cricket on the Great Wall what do you think to this is this a good idea staging international cricket in Florida or is it just a bit of a gimmick yeah probably a bit of both it literally is a gimmick isn't it and that they've returned back to more traditional surroundings for the ODI series haven't they well, I mean it's no it's no different to you know the NFL staging matches in uh, in London good to raise the profile i'm sure the uh the residents of florida will have been unable to avoid this sporting giant sporting clash between two heavyweights of the international cricket sporting world sporting bonanza to be fair to them and to be fair whoever to whoever organized this and whatever bit of chance kind of decided the two teams if you wanted to watch 2020 cricket you'd really just want to see gail and pollard wouldn't you so they couldn't have had a better a better treat. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the West Indies are a very exciting team. Uh, and also, perhaps more to the point, is that uh, there's a big West Indian diaspora in Florida. And so West Indies playing there is is likely to be a reasonably big draw. This is the second time this has happened because um, two years ago, New Zealand played Sri Lanka uh, and nobody came. The whole thing was a, 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 an enormous disappointment. And, and this was a big improvement on that, I think. Most importantly, the pitch was a lot better than it was two years ago. 
It was actually a pretty decent cricket wicket. The ball was carrying through to the wicketkeeper. Um, whereas in 2010, it was it was just a, it was just a pudding. And yeah, the West Indies playing there, it does make much more sense because, well, geographically, you could argue that Florida is part of the Caribbean. It'd be a bit of a stretch to do that, but it, it's it's much closer. There's a big West Indian population there. You're likely to get big crowds in, and they did. I think all told, it was something like 15,000 people came. But it's New Zealand that are the ones with the official link with. Uh, the USA Cricket Board, you know, they're not going to be playing West Indies every time. So next time this happens, it'll be interesting to see um, whether they get the same sort of crowds. Uh, And there is an enormously long way to go if you are talking about breaking cricket into America. And to an extent, attracting a a West Indian expat crowd is not really what they're looking for, is it? They want American sports fans to start showing an interest. And that is just light years away at this point, isn't it? I mean, I suppose it, it's better for the handful of American sports fans that do think, oh, I'll go and see what this is all about if there's 15,000 West Indians there it's than if there's nobody yeah, there. It's a more appealing prospect, isn't it? Uh, whether New Zealand are the right team to be kind of trying attempting this, I don't know. Well, at the moment, they're not very good, are they? Which is, um, which is, which is one problem. Uh, and also, yeah, you wouldn't necessarily see a natural link between New Zealand and Lauder Hill, Florida. But I think if you're trying to break cricket into America, this is probably the way to do it. It's just to stage proper international matches between proper international sides. It's not New Zealand playing the USA, which is just a horrendous mismatch. Yeah, you'd hope that with a big crowd watching two elite-level sides, maybe if you just keep doing it, if you keep plugging away, it might eventually generate some interest. And also the really important thing is that, as I mentioned, the pitch was good for this. So they were both good games you are at least giving yourself a chance if you get all those basics right if the pitch is really poor the cricket will be really poor and then any non-cricket fans who do turn up are just going to wonder what all the fuss is about if you if you give yourself a chance by making the cricket as exciting as possible then that's that's all you can do really isn't it yeah totally the difficulty is that I mean, you know, i've said it before you know sport individual contests aren't really uh, interesting unless they matter in some kind of context and yeah for for sports like the NFL, American football and the way NFL is staged and the NBA now, uh, basketball, you know, the way they're trying to stage, they're staging league matches uh, or like regular season matches in London, you know, staging a competitive proper season match, you know, is is enticing, whereas, uh, you know, is kind of just a one-off or a two-off, if that's a phrase, a two-off 2020 series between New Zealand and West Indies, how they, how's that going to really capture any anyone? You could argue that if they'd staged it in New Zealand, it wouldn't have been you know, <laughs> an enormous draw. Yeah. Really, the only way they could, the only way anyone's going to get any anything, any joy, any change out of America, uh, you know, dare I say it, stage an Ashes test in the US. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Or, as soon as you started talking about this, I knew you were going yeah, to say that. An IPL franchise would not be a bad move. Yeah, that, that's that's probably a good idea. I can't see an Ashes test happening. The members at like Lords would probably all just collapse <laughs> and die. <laughs> they'd, just, they'd be so angry that they'd just die. Um, <laughs> I'd love that if they put you up to make the announcement. <laughs> you are right, though, that it, it, it is about meaningful sport, isn't it? It's about giving some context. The, the 1994 football world cup was maybe a, a slight turning point in how americans um viewed soccer i mean it's it's not at that point that people thought it might be yet and it's um it's been a very slow process but if you stage a football world cup in america that's a big deal i can't see them staging a cricket world cup there but maybe a world 2020 one day 
The only problem is you've you've got to have the facilities. And and Lord of Hills are pretty decent ground. But where else would you go in America with football? You could just use the NFL stadiums. Could you use baseball grounds? I'm not sure they're really the right shape. So you can't really just stage a World 2020 in Lord of Hills. Doesn't it be easy? <laughs> <laughs> Next time the World 2020 visits the West Indies is to have you know have one of the venues, the uh, Central Broad Regional Park Stadium turf ground. I think that's an option, maybe. Yeah, that, that that could be an option. Yeah, it was there two years ago, wasn't it? So it's not going to be back no, for a while. Exactly. Maybe to break cricket into America, I think what needs to happen is I just need to go over there, put some stickers up in, I don't know, Washington, D.C., just plaster them all over the U.S. Capitol. <laughs> That's it. Two weeks later, it'll be, uh, it'll be the new national pastime. The side notes now, on which we discuss the... I forgot what I was going to say there. What's my bit? On which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the cricketing week he doesn't even read that off a script just, <laughs> can you yeah. believe it <laughs> so Every talented week, same, same thing same, so talented. same kind of delivery same inflections always the same <laughs> inflections yeah. uh, we call it the side notes sometimes it is just articles from Crick Info <laughs> which uh, we had, you know, which we had essentially one line of comment onto <laughs> which we may have just posted onto the article but yeah yeah uh, <laughs> reading Crick Info so you don't have to has always been our slogan it's not uh, an easy read, Crick Info, is it sometimes? It can be a real a real battle to get through, but, you know, we've done it for you. Uh, so there's there's two Crick Info articles this week, and this first one is called Shakib's Window Escape, which sounds dramatic. On Bangladesh's third annual Social Business Day, which coincided with the birthday of Nobel laureate Mohammed Yunus, Shakib al-Hassan was invited to an event as one of four young achievers, along with mountaineers who had climbed Mount Everest. There was also the visiting astronaut Ron Goran, who gave a presentation of his work in space. The moment Shakib's car pulled up, hundreds of students from nearby schools in Savar began to gather. The autograph hunters eventually got too close to the podium. Some even got onto it, so Shakib was put in a room behind the stage. The crowd then began to bang on the door, and Shakib was left with little choice but to climb out through the ground floor window and into a waiting car to take him back to Dhaka. That kind of thing happens to you quite often, doesn't it, Tone? Escapes out of windows. When you're out on your uh, your stand-up tour, uh, the fans just won't leave you alone. It's when they find out I live in Guernsey, they think I'm a tax exile, <laughs> and they just get angry. You know, It's not easy now, you know, for us Guernsey residents. We're kind of, we're often criticised, aren't we? But I keep, you know, I bank in, I keep my money in Doncaster, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any, any escapes out of windows ever in your life? Uh, off the top of my head, no. You were telling me about, this is not really that similar, but it, it just made me think about it. You were telling me about the time that you came home from a night out uh, and spent like half an hour trying to get in through the door and trying to get in through the window and then suddenly realised that it wasn't your house. Yeah, it's slightly exaggerated at there, Adam. Uh, no, we don't need to go into this. <laughs> no. should probably cut this. Why, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good story. Yeah, I don't know. No, just, just it was the wrong house. We've all done it. <laughs> no, we haven't. We've definitely not all done it. I've got in the wrong car before. Uh, when, when I was like, a bit younger, uh, car was parked on the on the on the front, you know, in the, on the on the street, uh, and I just got into it, thinking it was it was ours, and there was just another family in there. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite surprised. Did you go home with them? Uh, no, I, I jumped out. Didn't even say anything. Just ran. <laughs> just just tore off. Easy to do though. We've all done it. Right, and the other. Side note that comes from Cricket Info uh, is entitled Non-Stop Cricket World Record. Staff from Loughborough University have set a new world record for the longest continuous game of cricket. Two teams of 11 and one substitute fielder per side 
utilised floodlights to play through wind, rain and hailstorms to extend the previous record by around 45 hours and set a new mark of 150 hours and 20 minutes. While the record remains unofficial for now, organisers have sent extensive data, including sworn statements by participants, umpires and onlookers and video, to Guinness World Records in anticipation of verification of their achievement. Among those making appearances as umpires were former England players Matthew Hoggard, Paul Nixon and Alex Tudor, former New Zealand player Ian O'Brien and Derbyshire's Wes Durston. Graham Lambert and Stephen Holt of rock band The Inspiral Carpets also visited. The game was inspired in an attempt to raise money for the Harley Staples Cancer Trust. It is hoped it will have raised around £15,000. Quote, we played 25 matches in a cycle, one of the organisers, Chris Hughes, said. We had torrential rain and hailstones the size of golf balls, but in true British tradition, we kept calm and carried on. Like the t-shirts, eh? yeah. like, the, uh, like, like, the, the, like the mugs. Like the everything. Like the bags. Like everything. That like the posters. Yeah. Wasn't that, that just as a side note? It was a side side note. So I said that was only discovered like five years ago. What do you mean? Like that motif, that slogan. What do you mean? No, no, no someone just found it on like a something in a, some secondhand shop in like 2002 or something, which obviously isn't five years ago, but you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and boy, have they flogged it to They death. certainly <laughs> made the most of that, it. don't they? Yeah. They love it. Uh, nothing Mother Nature could conjure up was going to stop us from breaking the record and raising many thousands of pounds. And we're already talking about having a go at extending the record next year. 150 hours they play cricket for, Tane. That's a lot, isn't it? So I describe that as a lot. It's pretty, pretty impressive. It's like five days, isn't it? Yeah, it's more than five days. I don't, there's no way they could have played. <laughs> you don't believe it. Yeah, I don't believe it. Well, Guinness. I want to see are... the evidence. I want to see this extensive evidence. Account sworn accounts. Yeah, I like. I like the fact that it's sworn statements, <laughs> not, just, not, just, not statements. just statements. If if that's enough, then like, yeah, I'll just say that I broke the hundred meter record or something. <laughs> Get onto Guinness World Records. Yeah, I swear, but I ran it in in nine point four nine. He's good for his word. <laughs> yeah, we should try and break a record on here one time. We'll have to find something. Not longest continuous podcast because I'm definitely not doing that no. with you. <laughs> but um, because I want to find something, I want a record that's already in the book that we can beat. We can't just make up a record, which most people seem to do, which is BS as far as I'm concerned. You can't just make yeah, we, up we could do like longest podcast while wearing a tutu. Yeah, I don't want to do that either. You could do that. You are wearing a sleeveless vest at the moment. You're yeah, not that far away. I'm wearing my. Uh, <clears throat> Touch rugby shirt. Actually, at my uh, my birthday party on Saturday, we had a go at breaking the world record for trying to eat mm-hmm. three dry crackers in as short a time possible. I think the record is something like a minute, uh, which is just out of the question <laughs> if you've ever tried to do it. But what made me laugh about that is that I remember doing that on, I think, my 16th birthday. We tried to do that. So it's just funny that we're doing literally exactly the same thing <laughs> that we were then. Uh, yeah. Well, that's about it for the World Cricket Show this week. You enjoyed yourself, Tone? Mm, I've had a good time. You got anything big lined up for this week? The Bayfield birthday week goes on, of course, doesn't Continues it? Continues unchecked. It's like the riots, like the London riots. It's just the <laughs> momentum builds every night. It's very it's much like the London riots. Yeah. Hovering overhead as I speak, waiting to see what happens tonight. <laughs> Could be anything. Well, yeah, we went around our friend's house the other night as part of the Bayfield birthday week and, and played some board games. Played a spectacular game of Articulate, uh, which for anyone who doesn't know is is like a sort of talking pictionary. Isn't oh, it? We have good times, don't we? You have to describe something without saying what it is. Uh, you had one that so- someone's clue was uh, in the Flintstones, Wilma's husband 
And you, <laughs> you immediately went, Betty. It's not Betty, is it? No, well, I, I, the version I watched it was. It's so. not, you, you watched some progressive... Uh, <laughs> what I love about Articulate is that it does give you a real insight into how people's minds work. Our friend Will is just hilarious. Like when someone said, oh, oh, uh, it's a, a dude from history. And he immediately went, Einstein. <laughs> like, why is that the first thing, you, the first person you'd think of? He also once said, uh, oh, uh, it's like the opposite of before. And we went after. And he went, nope. <laughs> <laughs> just don't know what he's thinking. But yeah, so, well, should be a good week. We'll be back next week. Uh, when we'll be talking about all kinds of stuff. Uh, the Sri Lanka-Pakistan test series will have finished by then, so uh, we'll have a review of the series, maybe even a preview of England v South Africa, who knows? We'll certainly be talking about the uh, the last two almost certainly washed-out games <laughs> of the one-day series. Between now and next week, you could, if you want to, do some stuff to get more involved in the World Cricket Show. Uh, almost certainly the best thing that you could do would be to go to iTunes, uh, and leave us a review there. Uh, we do really appreciate those. Give us five stars, if you don't mind, uh, which does uh, which does help to to push us up the old charts. We're surging up the charts now. We left left boycott behind. Boycott's eating our dust. It's like the ODI rank, isn't it? The, the iTunes charts. What point? Meaningless. Yeah. <laughs> no. Until we win like a you know, a Webby or something, some podcast award. You know, it count for nothing. The podcast World Cup, which is coming up soon, we're building a good team for it. I'm hoping to get moved upstairs quite soon. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get in. We'll get in a proper host, and then we'll be in a good position to, uh, yeah. to push for that award. We need someone better at the top order. <laughs> uh, you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show. You can follow us on Twitter as well. That's twitter.com slash cricket show. Follow Tony on Twitter at Tony Cover. T O N Y C V. Actually tweeting. Double really. R. Have you tweeted very much? Tony? <laughs> not really. Not recently. No, got to do some tweeting, mate. There's all kinds of people following you now. No, no, I feel like I'm letting them down. You are letting them down. These days, I need to stop saying things because I've got a, like a rational fear of repeating stuff. Uh, and so when I, as I invariably do, you know, come out with lots of great gags and jokes <laughs> and stuff, uh, I, I feel like I don't want to tweet them because I've already, they're already they're out there, you know. You can send us an email as well. Uh, that's worldcreekshow at gmail dot com. Uh, get in touch there if you'd like some free World Cricket Show stickers. Uh, and buy a t-shirt. Go to cricketshow.net and buy a World Cricket Show t-shirt. Just £15, including free worldwide shipping. They're very much this summer's must-have item, aren't they? Send us a photo of yourself. If you have got your t-shirt, if you have received it, um, some people have, have been uh, have been sending us photos of them in it, uh, which is great. So, so keep doing that. Uh, but yeah, that's about it from us this week. Stay in school, everybody. And we will see you next time for more fun and games. See ya. Bye for now. to see a familiar face in the studio why have you had a tough week no no slight for sore eyes am i yeah you yeah, do look a bit rough today that's the opposite of what that saying means uh, why
<laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, what do you mean? <laughs> because if I look a bit rough, then a sight for sore eyes means that, oh, thank God, I'm glad I've seen you. Because it's your eyes are sore. Well, I've always understood it to be the exact opposite. No, you're wrong. It's if, like, if you say you've, like... Well, that's not how a... people use it. No, it is. It's, no. If you've had a terrible day, you say, oh, thank God, are you a sight for sore eyes? I'm glad yeah, you're here. Are you sense, a sight for sore eyes? That's how people <laughs> that is use exactly it. how people use it. No, not... Right, we'll start again. Let's start again. Yeah. All right. I'm trying to think of an anecdote. I blew my load with one anecdote the other <laughs> week, and I've got none left. <laughs> you screech to a whole car just <laughs> inches from the, the bumper of the car in front, and I'm like, Jesus, and I just hear this. <laughs> <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.